0: Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host Jordan Ronan, ESPN, ESPN.com Giants reporter, and we're here with a free agency after dark episode. That's because in a bit, I'm going to answer all your questions. Maybe a dozen. Uh, maybe even uh, if you're lucky, I'll throw in a lucky number thirteen uh, of free agency because I'm taping this on Friday morning, and free agency is just around the corner. Right, the negotiating window opens. On Monday. The new league year starts on Wednesday. So basically, between Monday and Wednesday, we're going to have a lot of moves starting. Okay. Uh, sorry, agreements, you know, not signings. Agreements will be happening probably like Tuesday, Wednesday. You'll start seeing them rolling. And by Wednesday, what, 4 p.m. Eastern time, that's when the new league year starts. You're going to start to see some signings. So, We're the Giants. I'll go over a little bit, some of the key points, and then we'll just get straight to your questions because that's what this episode's about, right? But let's start with this. The big areas of need are wide receiver and edge rusher for this team. I mean, huge. I mean, Wide receiver one, I should say, and edge rusher. Two gaping holes, very expensive positions. Now, we heard from Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge this week, and... That's one of the main takeaways I had. And I already knew this, but this just reiterated, verified what I was thinking is that they're not going to be one of these teams out there signing guys left and right, winning free agency. It's not how you build a team. They don't believe that. And I I kind of agree with them in, in that regard. One or two big signings a year is probably ideal. You know, if you're, if you're doing four or five, you know, that's where you end up with the giants in 2016 class. Maybe it works short term, but long term, that, that's just not a prudent way to build a team. So And you heard that. You know Joe Judge said he's uh, I'm paraphrasing, a, a long-range type thinking guy that you build, uh, that you build your team through the draft, and then you supplement it with the right guys that fit your culture, that fit your scheme, that fit what you're doing in free agency. So, with that being said, the Giants need a number one receiver, and the way it all turned out, I really do believe Kenny Galladay is the only real number one receiver out there. Okay, that's what the Giants need. You know, Allen Robinson not available, Chris Godwin not available. So, it leaves Kenny Galladay. Now, there's some concerns about Kenny Galladay, but this is a player the Giants are interested in. Okay, this isn't just me making a grand assumption. You know, this isn't me just connecting the dots, telling you the Giants. Interested in Kenny Galladay? There's a reason they called the Lions last year around the trade deadline. A deal wasn't going to happen, but it's a player that is interesting to them. That they like. Now, there's some concerns. He's been injured. He played one 16-game season in his four years. Uh, There's a reason the Lions didn't really want to sign him long-term. They they, they obviously did not feel totally comfortable giving him that money. But he's a good player. 2,000-yard seasons. Double-digit touchdowns. I believe he led the league two years ago. So Kenny Galladay, he's the number one guy out there. So the Giants are going to be in on that, okay? Now, the question is, at what cost? Now, I don't think they're just going to go out and open the pocketbook and say, like Nate Solder, we're going to get this guy, once they they missed on Norwell, and we're going to get this guy at all costs no matter what. Don't see that happening. Olivier Vernon, same thing. Don't see that happening. If they are unable to get Kenny Galladay, though, that's where I see the Giants pivoting and saying, okay, Kenny Galladay in the $17, $18 million range. There's no other we receivers at that range, at his level, on the free agent market. So is it worth us signing him for that price or then pivoting to edge where there are more guys available, right, top guys? It's actually a pretty good edge market. Shaq Barrett, who ultimately I think will end up in Tampa, back in Tampa. Matt Judon, Bud Dupree, Leonard Floyd, Hassan Redick. Uh, those are the more natural outside linebackers. And then there's some defensive ends also, maybe the Carl Lawsons of the world. Maybe the Giants think that they could translate over to their system too. So obviously a much deeper group, much deeper class, Yannick Ngakwe. But when you have a deeper group and this plays to the Giants benefit, you then, let's say there is a guy you can get there. That comes in at the $15 million range, $16 million range. And Kenny Galladay ends up getting into the $17, $18 million range even. What's the better investment for the Giants at that point? On top of the fact that this this is a stronger wide receiver draft than it is edge rusher draft. So you could probably get a a receiver at 11, a top receiver, or even in the second round, which has been a goldmine for receivers in recent years, whereas it's going to be a lot harder get an edge rusher especially one that's going to be able to contribute this year or next year and really be a high-end player at edge rusher in the draft with the 11th pick or later on so I think they make that pivot and that's why Bud Dupree is a guy that I have my eyes on I know there's people in the building who like him obviously I don't know if they're willing to make that offer out there and go to what level because Bud Dupree is coming off a serious knee injury and there is risk in that obviously also he kind of blossomed the past two years whereas the beginning of his career got off to a slow start how much of that do they determine is the fact that he's playing alongside uh tj watt right on the other side definitely something you have to take into consideration uh so that's a guy that kind of sticks out to me hassan reddick a guy i think they might look into price has to be right on that one and uh yeah, Those are really the two that stand out to me. The defensive ends. I'm not sure how they translate. I mean, we'll have to find out if any of those guys, they kind of view like, the, can Trey Hendrickson fit their system? Good player. This guy, I keep a, a, an eye on, on the, on the outside there, but I don't know if he is considered a fit for them. So that's the giants top move, right? That's, that's the number one, you know, splasher. Now there'll be other moves. They'll be looking for uh veterans on reasonable deals, uh, that can be considered value out there. I think that's where the Giants are gonna try and load up again. You'll see the running back market, a veteran running back be addressed. Could be Wayne Gallman. Price has to be right, could be somebody else, gets in some names later. Uh other positions that I expect them to look into, obviously, uh backup quarterback Colt McCoy I think that'll eventually end up happening but they will probably at least poke around see what's out there um let's see what else do we have here what other Oh, so cornerback obviously veteran cornerbacks out there that is something the Giants are definitely going to look at value again huge huge because you know how many guys are going to be available in that $3, $4, 5000000 million range? A lot. So I do expect the Giants to dip into that range. Maybe like a Troy Hill from the Rams is a quality player. He played for very well this last year. I, I could see something, something like that happening. So we'll get to some more in a few minutes. But I really do think that's where we're going for free agency. Now, real quick, one thing that did come up in Gettleman and Joe Judge talking this week. And I kind of pressed Gettleman on it. And we saw Kevin Zeitler released. I, I told you last week it was going in that direction. Not a surprise. The money just too much. We'll get a little bit more on that in a few minutes. The Nate Solder situation. Okay. I do it it I'm taping this on Friday morning as of yesterday. There was hope, optimism, a belief the ball was in Nate Solder's court of him possibly coming back. Now obviously it's coming back on terms that are much more amenable to what the Giants want, meaning way less money, right? Nate Solder is scheduled to make $10 million this year, okay? $16.5 million cap. Now, he is an easier restructure, or, you know, you can move the money around a little easier with him because he actually does have at least one more year on his contract, whereas Zeitler was straight one one year left on his deal. Now, what would Nate Solder get on the open market? That's a huge question. Now, what the Giants, I believe, are thinking here is he'll be like a swing tackle type, right? The, sort of, he'll be in that Cam Fleming role, whether that means start, see how he does. But The bottom line is the Giants want Matt Parrott to be the starter at some point this season. And I pushed Dave Gettleman on that because I had heard that already. So I said to him, how, does he have confidence right now that, that Matt Parrott, third-round pick from last year, can start right now? And he said, yes, at some point you have to play the kids, you have to give them a chance. That's the the trust and the belief that the Giants have in Matt Parrott. So that's kind of where they're heading on the offensive line. Parrott and Andrew Thomas starting a tackle at some point this year have a veteran swing man behind them. That could be a Cam Fleming type, or it looks like it might be Nate Solder. Gets to start early in the season, plays really well, keeps the job. Struggles a little bit. Matt Parrott, you're going to see him quicker than not. So I believe... That seems to be where we're headed. This is as a Friday morning. Now, we're here for one reason, one reason only, to answer your questions. On to the next one.
1: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
0: Ah, yes. It's the part of this podcast where I answer all your deepest, darkest, Giants questions in a Giants after dark. All right, let's get going. Okay, I want to start with this question. Number one. I'm trying to keep count here. Number one. We got Bang Biscuit. Who asks, how can they sign any free agent with their limited cap space? Okay. So the Nate Solder situation as of this taping has not been resolved yet. Giants are just over the cap, under the cap, you know, three, four million, whatever it is. Okay. They're gonna get some money from the Nate Solder thing. All right. Let's say five million. Now they're at 8 million. The idea here, and they have to do this. So now time is kind of ticking. They gotta. The the tag on Leonard Williams was placed there because they want to get a long-term deal done. They have to get a long-term deal done. I mean, they're going to give in to Leonard Williams' demands. He has them by the you-know-what. Uh, because in order to operate, they need that money. That's where they're going to get this money. That's the plan right now. So let's say they get soldered. They're at like eight. And then all of a sudden, they do a Leonard Williams deal. Now, that's going to be a big that number, year one number. Is going to be way lower than the straight almost twenty million dollars that's considered against the cap now. So let's say they can get it to about seven. You can realistically get it to seven five million dollar proration for the salary cap across the board, and then uh, let's say two million dollar base salary this year. Okay, so get that to seven. So that's twelve another twelve million right there. Next thing you know, the now all of a sudden Giants are at twenty. Okay, then they can move money around on some guys. Let's say they they sign Jabril Pepper to a, some kind of long-term deal, which I think is a possibility. There you get another $5 million. And then you can move money around on guys like uh, James Bradbury and uh, um, Blake Martinez. You know, you could, you could give them, uh, convert some of their base salary into a roster bonus where they basically get it up front. And then it, it gets prorated over the next two years because you expect both those guys to be on your team for next year as well. So you, then you create Let's say you create another six million dollars there. I mean, so now we're getting closer to like thirty million, and then a little bit here, a little bit there. There's there's plenty of moves the Giants can make. Okay, so I wouldn't worry about them, because think about it, they don't have any long term contracts, really. Who's signed long term to huge deals? Nobody. So, I wouldn't. I know people say they have no money. They have no money. They're up against the cap. They're they're okay. They have money to spend. I wouldn't. I really would not go nuts on that. Question number two from Gene at 151 underscore Gene says, do you think Giants will address the wide receiver position in free agency or the draft? Now, I don't think there should be or there. I think we can make that free agency and the draft. I really do. I expect the Giants to address that in both ways. They, They know they need playmakers. Now, we talked before about, okay, uh, You know, Kenny Galladay is the only number one receiver. True. Doesn't mean the Giants aren't going to go and sign another receiver. Like, we're talking about guys that this is a a team that looks at changing their game plan every week and being very flexible. So, you know, a guy like Curtis Samuel, Isaiah McKenzie, speedier, versatile guys that you could use in a bunch of different ways. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the way the Giants go in regards to a receiver, if it's not Kenny Galladay. And then they also double back and get one in the draft. So to me, the answer is not wide receiver or, I mean, free agency or the draft at wide receiver. It's, I think it's going to be free agency and the draft. Next question, at Corey C34, any chance we could sign any of the following players now that Leo Leonard Williams has been franchised? Well. First of all, he has to sign a long-term deal, as I just mentioned before. That's the way you get money. Joe Tooney. I'll go in order here, the guys you have. Joe Tooney. Uh, too expensive, I believe. He's going to get top-of-the-guard money, uh, top-of-the-market guard money, $10 12 million, money 10, 12000000 This is question number three, by the way. Uh, and I don't think the Giants are going in that direction. Obviously, they just cut Kevin Zeitler uh, partly because of that. Now, Tooney's a better player at this point, but still, don't see them going in that range. Mitchell Schwartz. Uh, is Mr. Schwartz even going to play? That's debatable. Uh, I mean, his future is in doubt. So I would not expect that. Also, he probably would go to uh, a team that's, you know, real Super Bowl contender right now. That makes sense for him. He's getting towards the end of his career. Uh, Kyle Van Noy. I know a lot of people like to connect the dots there. I would not, if I were you, connect the dots there unless it comes at a really, really cheap price. Because remember this, he was available last year. And the Giants did not make an inquiry. So why then would they change their philosophy one year later? I don't expect it unless it's really on the cheap later in free agency. Malcolm Butler, I do think that probably is the most likely of the names you just mentioned here. Uh, Malcolm Butler being cut by the Tennessee Titans. Obviously, has that day uh not Dave Gettleman, has that Joe Judge New England connection. But again, the price would have to be right. And I think, I don't think a guy like Malcolm Butler is going to. Going to big demand a big price, just cut free agent market. A lot of cornerbacks, four or five, five million dollars. I think is probably reasonable for what Malcolm Butler is going to get right now. uh Question number four at Arthur Cash says: Do you think Gallman will be here for the foreseeable future? Now, I think the Giants are looking for a running back, and they probably like a more versatile running back. And so, if Wayne Gallman, the price is ends up being super cheap, and there's there's not really a a market for his services out there. Can I see him back for like three million dollars? Yeah, I could see that, but I can also see him. You know, the Giants more likely going after a James White, or I know he's not as versatile, but a Mike Davis, more of a, a bowling ball type running back. Actually, does catch catch the ball pretty well. I mean, but those those are the kind of guys I think the Giants they're looking, they need some insurance. Behind Saquon Barkley, so uh, I I don't think it's out of the question that Gallman returns, but also certainly no slam dunk. They're gonna he's gonna see what the market is out there, see if there's a bigger role for him because he knows if he comes back behind Saquon, your role is what your role is. There's no, all right, you know I could play well and be the starter. Uh uh-uh. uh, like even if he goes to New England, that's a possibility. If he stays here, that that's not that's not gonna happen. At G man, always always a good follow. Uh, Always has some good comments for me. Appreciate you. How does Joe Judge sleep at night hearing the things that come out of Gettleman's mouth? Obviously, a big tongue-in-cheek one right there, but, yeah. uh, Look, Joe Judge probably, you know, slaps his head. You know, the, oh, kind of deal, the, the Homer Simpson type deal when he hears some of the things. You know, like when he's, uh, Dave Gettleman starts revealing that they want to start Matt Parrott. And then instantly that puts the pressure on Matt Parrott. All right, you're starting caliber player. You're going to have to start now. Let's go. You know, I'm pretty sure Joe Judge would he wouldn't have said that, uh, undoubtedly. And some of the things he says, I, I think the front office, I mean the the organization in general knows when he goes up there, it doesn't come off well publicly. And you hear, you see a lot of comments recently. And and the, the, trust me, the organization is well aware of this. We've I've had a con- talk with people there. They know it. Uh, And I've had a bunch of comments recently. You could see it. It's almost like he talks down to everyone out there, which does it just really doesn't come off well. And that's kind of his personality and uh, kind of the, the way he talks and interacts. And I don't I don't know. I don't really totally view it that way. I view it as it's kind of like joking tongue in cheek kind of way. But I could certainly see, especially from an outsider, why it's perceived that way and why it doesn't come off that well. So. Question number six, where I'm at a A B yeah, B Dynasty. I-, I don't know. I probably totally butchered that. I don't know what the heck I just did there. What's your dream wide receiver depth chart for 2021? Uh, I, as I mentioned before, Kenny Galladay is the best guy out there. So I'm going to go with Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton, and then you have, or Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, two, three, you know, Shepard's the slot guy. Galladay and, and Slayton on the outsides then all of a sudden that's a pretty good receiving core and then if you throw in Kyle Pitts with that 11 pick with Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley whoo no excuses you got the weapons get their offensive line to be average and I mean Daniel Jones if you can't have success then might as well start the clock for when they're getting a new quarterback but that's pretty good and then you know you add Another veteran out there, let's say, hold on, let me grab my wide receiver list. And look, uh, you know, I'm talking, if they sign Galladay, actually, they're not going to add another another guy. So uh, maybe a real low-end guy, uh, you know, I, I don't even know. But uh, uh, you know what? That's the that's the list. You're going to have to go with some of the young guys if, if you're signing Kenny Galladay. That, that's where the money's going. So if you go there, you have those three guys. Who's number four is the real question. What do you have? Uh, Dante Pettis, big question mark, uh, CJ Board, uh, Cody Core will probably be back. You know, Cody Core, and I mentioned this when the Giants cut him, there's still a good chance he returns. The Giants, and someone had mentioned this to me in the organization in the middle of last summer, they, or at least in the spring maybe. Some No, they didn't have spring. So in the early summer, that he was making progress as a wide receiver. They thought he was going to be able to contribute there, you know, as a 4-5 kind of guy. So that's a name to keep an eye on as well. Uh, we'll follow up at a dynasty had a second one. So this is question six and seven. Uh, he says non-football related. How has your schedule, your sleep schedule and water intake been recently? That's because of course I like you guys to throw in some random questions because anything's on the board when you get to giants after dark sleep schedule is never great. I have a one and a half year old. So you're getting up early uh, I do go to sleep earlier than usual, though. I mean, recently this this uh, quarantine—I don't know what it does to you guys, but uh, I don't know. I'm in bed earlier. I'll, t- I'll say that much. And I'm terrible with the water intake. I mean, I'm I'm Mister Dehydrated. I I drink way too little water. I'm always like, oh, I need to drink water. I fill up a water bottle, and I'm the guy who like leaves it downstairs when I go upstairs. And the next thing I know, it's there at the end of the day. And I'm like, oh, man, you know what? I I didn't drink anything today. Then I'll go and have like six alcoholic beverages and be totally de- dehydrated beyond belief the next day and try and work out. That's how I, that's how I operate. I am not healthy in that regard. Those are, those are two of my weaknesses. Sleep probably get about, I I'm, I, I never fall asleep. Well, so I go to sleep at like 12, one and wake up at like seven. So not good on either. Probably failed both those. If that's what you, if you were checking on, on my health status, not good. That's where I'm at. I'm at question number eight at Breck Jones. Says, if you had to rank the most likely to sign to least likely, which uh, which would the Giants sign? So we got Galladay, Galladay, Joe Tooney, Bud Dupree, and Corey Davis. Okay, so I'm going number one. I'm going with Galladay because I know they have interest in him in him, and that that's a guy that they're going to target. So to me, that makes it most likely. I, I, the price, I I do think ultimately is going to get out of there. Get out of the range. Uh, so, but I'm still putting him number one. Dupree, I'm putting number two, because I think if they don't get Galladay, they then pivot to edge. And while Dupree is a risk, I know people there like him. So he's two to me. Corey Davis is probably three. And Tooney is four, just because I think, I don't think they want to spend what Joe Tooney is going to get on the open market. He's the one lineman this year that's going to get paid, like for real. At least, uh, sorry, guard that's going to get paid, for real. Uh, Corey Davis, I have before him, but here's my thing with Corey Davis. He's clearly not a number one. He's clearly, he didn't, he was kind of considered an underachiever. I guess you could say the same with Dupree, until, a- with, you know, D- with Corey Davis, it was when A.J. Brown showed up. And with Dupree, it was when T.J. Watt showed up. So, I guess they're kind of similar there in that regard. So, but I still I don't know. There's something about Corey Davis, there's inconsistency there. The skill and talent is there, but I don't know. I just don't see the Giants falling in love with them. So, uh question number 9 at Arthur Cash. Oh, I doubled up on you. Sorry if I forgot some of you other guys. I didn't realize I doubled up on him here. Uh but why the hell do they want to bring back Nate Solder? And I kind of mentioned this before, but I wanted to get a little more into it. The reason that they want to bring back Nate Solder is because there's a penalty for getting rid of Nate Solder, okay? That's, what, I think they have $10.5 million in dead money that they have to eat if they cut him. So if they can somehow find a reasonable number for him to come back, then at least they get something rather than just throwing money and not getting anything in return, right? And so if he's a swing tackle, it's a position they were going to have to pay for anyway. So that if they could get him back at a swing tackle type number in a swing tackle type role, then it makes sense to bring him back. Is he better than Cam Fleming? It's possible. It's possible he is. Possible he possible isn't. But he's probably in that range at this point. So, I mean, because it's not like if they go and they get some guy in that three, $4 million range, which they did last year, and they got Cam Fleming, you're going to end up with a guy who's playing at a significantly higher level than what Nate Soldier could probably give you at this point. So that's, I believe, the thinking on that. Uh, At NY Giants Sports says, under the radar, free agent Giants signing. So I'm going to go to the cornerback position because I already went and... Listed someone before uh at running back, a couple guys at running back. So let me throw a couple names at you for cornerback. Here's an under the radar type guy. Okay. Kevin Johnson from Cleveland, cornerback. Low end guy, but has played in the league, has started a little bit, has some talent. There's one. Uh Akilo Witherspoon, also another guy I would I would keep an eye on. Long uh can play kind of physical at the line, which the Giants like. So I think that's that's a name that I would I would keep an eye on. Also, I do think, I don't think it's crazy. And I'm kind of just guessing here. But uh, Alex Smith at backup quarterback. I wouldn't completely rule that out either. You know, there, there's been something said to me that, that make me think that that's not an impossibility right now. So, but who knows? Uh, I'm just kind of... Uh, Guesstimating on some of those based on, on what of what I've been hearing. So, question number ten: With Saquon having a huge rookie season, up and down year two, and a lost year three, do you think they spend some money in free agency at the running running back position or look to the draft? I think they're looking for a veteran on the cheap, and also I don't wouldn't be surprised again if they address that later on in the draft because that's a that's a position you can get guys later in the draft. I personally would go later, look to the mid round, late rounds of the draft. But I have heard about the Giants looking, uh, looking around at the running back position and wanting to add a veteran as well. So uh, maybe they want to do both. But to me, it's just so much more cost effective. I mean, get a guy in a rookie contract who could provide you one skill in like the fifth round and use that rather than paying the two or three million, two, three, four million dollars that you have to in free agency. So to me, that makes a lot more sense. I would go in that direction. Question number 11 the profit XT says do you see the Giants pursuing an edge rusher shoot I just lost it doing this on my phone and I just closed the window do you see the Giants pursuing an edge rusher in free agency or think they prefer to find one through the draft if so who are some of the names to watch now I've told you some of the guys that I would look for in free agency now uh, we'll, we'll see about the draft but the way it's Panning out, and I talked to a bunch of people about this, and I talked to Matt Miller, who joined our staff. Welcome, Matt. Good dude. uh He is uh, another draft expert that we have at ESPN now. Really knowledgeable dude on the draft. Uh, I, I really enjoy listening to him talk about players. And I asked him about the free agent. I mean, I mean, sorry, the draft class at edge rusher, and he said there's a lot of interesting guys that second, third round. Like you know, it doesn't the draft doesn't really align with them at 11. But it does kind of align with you being able to get some good guys in that second third round. Now I'll give you some names as we go along and we get towards the draft part of it there uh, but in regards to free agency uh, you know Kyler Fackrell first of all I wouldn't shut the door on a guy like that when we're talking about veteran guys but the top guys to me that potentially fit with the Giants are doing defensively are Dupree and Reddick. so those are really the guys that I that I kind of have my eyes on when it comes to free agency and obviously Kyler Fackrell has a good has a decent shot of being back. He's a very versatile kind of guy. I as long as he doesn't get a, a big offer elsewhere. I think that's a way that the Giants can go. So question number 12, final question. On a scale of one to ten, zero, one being a zero chance, ten for sure. How likely is a long-term deal worked out with Leonard Williams? Uh I'll go eight and a half. So I'm really feel pretty strongly that they're going to end up working out a deal. The Giants are just going to have to give in and pay him out the roof, uh, pay him through the nose. Now I have a structure here if you're interested. You know, we had to do this project where essentially we put bids on players who are free agents. And my original bids were on Galladay and Leonard Williams, but when Leonard Williams was franchised, I took him off the board. So then I pivoted and went Galladay and uh, – uh, Sorry, Bud Dupree and ended up landing Dupree. It's an interesting project, so go look at it. But let me try to find my notes here where I actually was going through numbers to try and make a Leonard Williams, a hypothetical Leonard Williams deal work. So here's what I came up with. Five years, $97.5 million. OK, so it's about $19.5 million, you know, pretty much what that tag is. Now, if he really wants to push him, he get more. You tell me he gets to, ends up getting 20 and a half. I could believe it. But let's say they're able to get him at 19 and a half. Okay. I have him down for a $25 million signing bonus. That means he gets a $25 million signing bonus at signing, basically. Okay. So that then over five years, that's $5 million each year that goes against the salary cap. Now, in order to keep his year one cap number down, he gets $2 million base salary his first year. So that's a $7 million cap number year one which then instantly saves the Giants 12 plus million dollars against the salary cap compared to what the franchise take is right now. Okay. And then, you know, year two, you have guarantees. So basically he would get $25 million plus the $2 million base salary. So $27 million in year one, another 12 in year two. So he's at 39 million after two years, which is pretty close to $20 million a year for two years and at 59 million after three years. So Three years, fifty nine million. Think about it; that's twenty million a year. Seems like a pretty fair deal. Where his, his full his guarantee also would be over forty million dollars, right? I, I think the number I came up with was was uh, I basically came up with forty nine million dollars guaranteed, which is a big number. I mean, this is basically in the range of the Forrest Buckner with the Colts. So uh, that's the hypothetical Leonard Williams deal I came up with. Sorry, long answer there, but I so. That's why I put that answer at eight and a half feel very confident. They're going to get a Leonard Williams done deal done. And look the league year. I told you Monday to Wednesday is really when they're going to try and get it done for sure. But even if they don't, let's say they start out on Wednesday where they are, they do the solder stuff. You can then sign guys, you know, and they can still be cap cap compliant until they sign unless they're signing a really big guy or they they need more money like, they might be able to push that until the end of next week before they have to really get that done. So, we'll see. If no long term deal, how likely is Williams traded? No, I don't, I don't think anyone's trading for Leonard Williams on nine, at $20 million, to be honest with you. That's a tough trade. Uh, this year, I don't think people can handle that on their books. So, unlikely. Highly, highly, highly unlikely. If anything, they probably rescind the tag, which we know Dave Gavelman has done before. If no long term deal and not, and that was with Josh Norman in Carolina. If no long term deal and not traded, how likely is any free agent signed to an AA average annual valuable deal of over ten million? Yeah, if he is doesn't have a long term deal, I don't know if the Giants are gonna be able to then uh really add that high end guy. Although you know what, I should take that back. I take that back. They still probably could pull it off. One guy. But they'll have to be really creative with money with other guys. They'll have to sign like they'll have to sign Ingram and Jabril Peppers to long term deals or something, get their their cap numbers down. And, but think about it. Like I just mentioned with Leonard Williams, you sign a Kenny Galladay to a long-term dealer, Bud Dupree, again, there's a way to keep that year one cap number low. And almost every team does. it. I know Gettleman has mentioned he doesn't like doing that. And we could sit here and debate whether that's right or wrong philosophically. Uh, because if you think about it, the value of money increases and goes up like 99% of the time in the NFL. So... A dollar now is not worth the dollar, Is you know, is it is, is not worth the dollar next year and three years down the line, especially when the cap is going to skyrocket eventually when they get back to uh, normalcy in like probably like two, three years next year, probably get back to normal levels. And then two or three days after that, we're going to talk about it. It'll be a huge spike. The two year jump is going to be gigantic. So if you spread money out over two, three, four years right now, that's what you want to do, because you'll be getting value on your dollar in three or four years for sure. So if Dave Gettleman doesn't believe that right now, the Giants are in big, big trouble because everyone else in the league is going to take advantage of that. I feel really, really positive about that. So uh, that's it for this episode of Giants After Dark. 25 minutes worth. That's right. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope I got to everyone there and 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 touched on many of the uh, main topics. We'll do another one early next week, Monday. Giants After Dark on social media. So follow along on Twitter or Instagram and we'll get to it there. I don't even think I could do it on TikTok if I wanted. Not yet. I don't have enough followers. Follow me on TikTok then too. So we can maybe do it there at some point. But that's it for this segment of Giants After Dark. On to the next one.
1: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why?
0: All right, we're going to wrap this episode up with a real quick Jordan on the beat, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, I'm going to tell you because I want to explain to you what free agency and what even uh, the draft process can be like for the Giants. A couple years ago, it was actually a while now, what was it, 2014, 13? So Jeff Schwartz was a free agent. Guard, uh, played for the Giants, signed as a free agent, and got played pretty well at the time. And he wanted to come to the Giants, so I I knew that. I heard that before. Like, probably like several weeks before. So, I asked somebody in the Giants organization at the time, I said, What do you think of Jeff Schwartz? And they're like, Ah, nothing special. Average player, gonna get overpaid. And then, what, several weeks later, the Giants signed Jeff Schwartz and he's on the team. And you're like, Wow, you know, why did they say that to me? And and it just goes to my point here is I wanna show you the Giants, especially more than most, they got a lot of cooks in the kitchen, they got a lot of people who have, uh, decision-making power. Uh, remember, they're an organization with several family members of the uh, ownership group in the front office. You know, Chris Mara, uh, Tim McDonald is is uh, part of the Mara family. He has he has a big role in uh, personnel as well. Then there's the general manager. Then there's the coach. So there's a lot. And, you know, there's a, the pro personnel guy, the head, head of pro personnel. There's... Uh, Chris Pettit, I don't know exactly what his title is off the top of my head. He's basically the draft guy in charge of the draft, but he still has, uh, you know, he gives his input on guys too. So Giants have a lot of guys in there. So just because not everybody is going to love every player they sign a free agency and draft. So that's why ultimately the the blame and the credit goes on the general manager when it comes to personnel because he's the final decision maker. So maybe, you know, the... Someone in, in uh, pro personnel isn't in love with Kenny Galladay, but Dave Gettleman is, and a couple other, and the coaches, or a couple other people are, and he can end up on the, on the squad. That's why when it comes to blame for signings, you got to go to the general manager. Because there's probably some people in every organization that like guys and don't like guys that teams are adding in the draft and free agency all the time. You're never going to be 100% lockstep, everybody in line. Just doesn't happen. So, just wanted to give you a heads up heading into free agency. That's kind of the process that goes on behind the scenes, and even with reporters. Like I, you know, I I hear Jeff Schwartz wants to come there. So I'm like, then going poking and seeing, you know, with the Giants organization if they, if they're interested in Jeff Schwartz. And at first, I got a lukewarm answer. Then as we went along, it started to get more and more promising. I was like, Whoa, okay, you know, obviously someone at the really really likes him. And and then and, and you know, it happens. So. Uh, We're going to be seeing some of that now. Uh, Kenny Galladay, again, that's the name I'm kind of keeping my eye on first and foremost here throughout this free agent process, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I will try to do a podcast early next week. We'll see about how busy and how much deals are coming down and when they come down, and then that'll kind of decide what my schedule is going to be like. But remember, like, subscribe to this podcast, tell your friends. We'll have a lot of interesting nuggets here as we go along. I think we already have... We've already given you a whole bunch as we enter free agency here. I hope you enjoyed. Uh, remember, you can email me, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, what's the other one? Clubhouse or whatever. Whatever the the, the the other places are called, where essentially you have like a, a meeting, or it's a, it's, uh, whatever. I don't even know. What do I know? I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting confused of of what all these social platforms are. I think I, I think I got Clubhouse right though. It's essentially like you have a, a a conference, you know, like a oh here's a instead of going to like a conference center in a city, like you'll have like a a dental conference. You could basically just have dental experts on Clubhouse and have people come in. I, I think I got that right. If I don't, you guys come explain it to me. But who knows? I'm giving you useless knowledge at the end of this breaking big blue. So that's the that's the the cutoff right there. Right, the bells ringing. I'm done. I'm Jordan on ESPN. ESPN.com Giants reporter. See you next time.
2: Robert Half research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI